Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 40 of Nutanix Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got uh, Harvey Green with me and Jaira Cox. Guys, it's it's been forever. <laughs> it, it has we had been a while. We had a long winter uh, hibernation as a podcast crew. <laughs> I, uh, I did an IGEL podcast. I need to post still um, yesterday and, or no, Tuesday. Tuesday. And between the holidays, multiple holidays and sales kickoffs and travel, January is uh, it's hard every year. I, it gets harder, it seems like, every year. <laughs> I'm definitely feeling that for sure. And then, then you throw in everybody comes home from these holidays and travel and work travel, personal travel. Everybody comes home either slightly sick or very sick, and you lose a whole nother week. Yes, I was and feeling that as well. <laughs> we knocked out some uh, some one-way travel over here. So if I sound a little bit quieter, it's I was going to ask about that coming to you from farther away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's I would love to know, uh, you know, that's a joke, but I would love to know the latency difference better or worse from sitting where you're sitting right now versus where you were sitting before, which was in theory closer to us. Well, and something that probably would uh, throw off our little experiment there is, so we're renting a house uh, Mm -hmm. for the next six months, which is not pre-wired for ethernet, which is I'm sure very common, but, but it's a regression, let's say, from what I had before. So I'm I am hardwired, but over power line networking, which is a first for me. So that adds a, a few milliseconds, I think, by itself. So, Jira, you're a smart dude, smart technical dude. Uh, you're, are you building a new house or yep. what? Okay. Are you hardwiring the new house? Yep. It's going to come. It'll, it'll also come with Ethernet. Yep. Harvey, if you were uh, building a new house today, would you hardwire it? Uh, uh, I want to say yes. <laughs> I uh, well, I haven't built a new house in a long time. My f- first two houses we built from scratch. The first one I actually built a lot of it myself, and I wired it myself. That was an adventure, um, both electrical and with, with my father-in-law's help and uh, Ethernet. I don't know that today I would wire one just because of Wi-Fi and everything seems to move around in the house so much. Uh, this is totally a tangent, Jaira, but uh, what's what's your logic there, Mr. Smart Guy, for doing it? Uh, I, I think it'll be a long time before wireless beats wired for latency, stability, um, uh, reliability, all that yeah. jazz. I, I love having great Wi-Fi in my house. Um, I'm not yet on the Wi-Fi 6 train. Um, I'm not either. <laughs> but still on, still on you know, good AC, I think. By the end of the week, I'll have I think three APs covering this house. Yeah, so I love having good Wi-Fi. I like having, I like having things not on that good Wi-Fi, right? Like if it has to be Wi-Fi, like my iPhone, of course, is is wireless. But if I can hardwire it, that's less chatter, less communication going on on the wireless network. I'll tell you guys a funny story. I was uh, over the holidays. My son came home from college, and in certain parts of the house everything got bad communication wise. My my wife was ready to throw her brand new laptop out. Hey, this thing doesn't work. Uh, and then I, so I went and started research and I go to one part of my house where I expected there to be an access point and there wasn't. And then I, I, I thought, man, I, I swear I put one there. And then three days later, I walk in my son's bedroom, which is on the far end of the house and he's video game, he's gaming. And I'm like, well, that looks pretty good. And I start looking around he took the access point and took it from where it was and put it in his room. So he would have better gaming and, and you know, ruined it for the rest of us. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, strategic. <laughs> and, and and I had a moment of, man, that made me mad. And I also had a moment of, well, I'm glad he's smart enough to know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I um 
Oh, is it, one more quick tangent. I, I heard, uh, I read a study about how, so we're just now getting the first kids into the college system that basically can say they grew up with Chromebooks the entire time. Yeah, that's my kids. And they had no reason to learn what a file system is ever along the way. So people are entering like CS 101 programming courses and, and these CS profs are having to teach, like they want to teach Java or whatever your 101 language is nowadays. And they're also having to do remedial, like this is what a file system is along the way. Yeah. We had a, a brave new world. Uh, we had a computer science intern for a couple of years ago here and I uh, gave him two computers and said, Hey, go connect these up and here's your lab. And, and he, he had no idea how to make uh, the ethernet stuff work. Awesome. Smart guy. <laughs> crush it with some code. In fact, I think he works for Nutanix now. I have to go look. I'm pretty sure he works for Nutanix now. I mean, he sounds like um, a very smart guy. <laughs> really smart guy, but basic CP, IP, IP being the keyword, no knowledge of how that stuff works. Mm, that's now, maybe he does now, but at the time he didn't. I gave him an A-plus book, A-plus, uh, CompTIA A-plus book. I think I gave it to him, or at least I pointed him to the video. There's a five-hour video that covers the entire A-plus course. Uh, you can go watch for free these days. And uh, I told him, go look at that. I mean, that's there's so much core knowledge there. Yeah. And, and, you know, com computer science kid from a really reputable university versus a kid with a two-year degree from ECPI. I'm not sure which one's better these days as far as uh, at least understanding the basic framework. Oh, man, I, I think I'd be so quick to ignore both degrees and just ask about real-life experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, crud, there was something else I wanted to ask you guys or tell you guys about, and I forgot, but uh, an experience would be something, but also just like, how do you learn new things? Right. Cause like what, you know, is just such a fraction of what you need to succeed. Like, can you keep on learning in the role is such a, a much more massive indicator of success. Sorry, you mentioned the uh, kids going to college. Now my kids uh, during the pandemic took community college classes. And one of the professors told my kids to uh, use the fat client version of Microsoft Word or something office related to, to submit their, to do their work. And they just both came to me with blank looks. They had no idea what, what the uh, office, you know, the fat client versions, the x86 client versions of office was they had, they knew a little bit about office online, but they just grew up on, you know, Google docs and Google drive and, you know, G suite stuff. Mm. I don't oh. know whether all this makes me feel smart or old. <laughs> yeah. Why not both? <laughs> um, oh gosh. Okay, so this is a good transition. Here's why. Uh, there'll be a day someday when you're going to talk to a person in our industry that won't know what three-tier architecture is. Hopefully. Work, working on it. Yeah, trying really hard. So that brings us to our blog of today, which let me share my screen for you guys and the eventual videos that some, a lot of our videos did get posted by the way, by my son over the holidays, but uh, our blog for today by Steve Carter from January 10th of 2022. Yes, that's right. This year, uh, seven reasons to ditch. I'm going to throw in the word legacy sand three tier architecture and move to hyper converge, whether that's on premises or in the cloud. I think maybe the, maybe the blog talks about that. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but uh, seven reasons to get out of that legacy stuff that a couple years ago um, we were all talking about being the latest, greatest stuff. So Harvey, it moves quick is what I'm getting at there. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> so I think we've done it, but Jaira, you want to set us up as to where this conversation comes from before we jump into the seven reasons why? 
Yeah, man. I think it's a great little, uh, you know, new year, uh, kind of re-baseline the, you know, do some little foundational knowledge here around, um, you know, I guess we could do what is Nutanix? What, what do we do for our customers? Right. And, and what, are, why are we transformational or what are we transforming them from or helping them, helping them break free from? I think this article, this article does a great way of laying that out um, of kind of doing that compare and contrast around, you, you know, what you have now, here's what we, here's what we do differently and why. So let me sum up what you just said. It would be dumb to do it the old way. <laughs> There's probably a better way. There's probably a better way. I, should, you know, if there, if there wasn't a better way, we probably wouldn't be around. And, and I'll validate that by saying the cloud hyperscalers don't do it that way. Why are you trying to do it that way? In other words, talking about three tier architecture. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. No, I think, um, I mean, man, I mean, I, I helped sell, install, deliver, upgrade three tier architecture for years and years, right? And that's why I'm here now because yeah. there's a, a better, simpler, easier way, even as a, even as a seller, installer, supporter, right? Like I'd rather sell, install, support Nutanix than, than that, right? <laughs> well, and, and in all fairness, three-tier architecture players have gotten better and simpler, uh, but there's configuration and there's physics involved that just can't make it as smart as the software-based hyper-converged solution can be. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, you know, I mean, going like a little bit historical, we saw lots of startups, lots of um, almost like I'll say it in a positive way, like science projects from major vendors trying to experiment with like, here's the like, here's the authoritative storage array. And here's ways to do like data caching on flash in hosts, right in your virtualization hosts, um, like add a little SSD store the very hottest data there. So it's closer to where the VMs run, but the storage array is still where most of it lives because at the time it was just too expensive to do all the storage in the nodes. Um, And Nutanix was at the right place, right time to say, Hey, guess what? That actually became way more economical. And there's way more reasons that your data needs to move closer to where your VMs run. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, you're involved in this every day and Harvey is too. Are there any workloads today that people bring to you guys and say, yeah, I still need three tier for this workload. Does that exist anymore? I know it did a couple of years ago. No, that storage is not usually the the constraining factor there, right? The the one thing I'll say is, of course, as a virtualization platform, um, if your workload doesn't like virtualization, if it's a real time computing, uh, if it needs that crazy, um, ridiculous uh, uh, like HPC workload perhaps you know you wouldn't like any hypervisor for that workload right you want to own the bare metal you want to run on the on the sockets themselves um you know so if, if your workload doesn't run well in virtualization and there are you know one percent of all workloads that are in that category then for sure right uh don't put square peg in round hole <laughs> but but no to your question no it's not it's we never i never find that it's the storage is the constraint there yeah yeah yeah, I was just having a conversation a little while ago explaining PBX and then virtual PBX and then hosted VoIP solutions to someone who, you know, is 35 years old. And those first two really never applied to them. They've just always been at the cloud. Um, and so it, by default, everybody in their world and their mindset does it out of the cloud. But the truth is, there's a lot of legacy stuff out there that that needs to be replaced and 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 implemented smarter. Um. All right, well, let's jump into the seven. Um, I think you've hit on one a minute ago, Jira, and that's just simpler to implement and manage. Uh, I'm going back to flashback my first SAN implementation all by myself. 
uh, in a little room that took me weeks uh, where I was setting up, uh, you know, worldwide names and I was uh, zoning and, and, and isolating the networks. I, it seems like such a long time ago, but it was literally a good solid week of trying to plan this thing out and implement it. And I'm sure I got it wrong. Uh, but the first one here talks about reclaiming your nights and weekends. How does hyperconverge help you do that? Totally. I, I mean, <clears throat> one of the best anecdotes I've heard lately from a real customer. Um, and, and what I think is great is Nutanix helps simplify so many layers of the stack, right? Not only the infrastructure, right? That's done and been done for a long, long time now. But even moving up the stack, uh, a customer that used to patch their critical tier one databases and took like 10 people about 10 person hours each, right? So a very expensive human labor proposition. Uh, and that's down to one guy taking four hours to do it. So dramatic speed, efficiency, but also like predictability, right? Automation, testability, repeatability. Um, you know, and you mentioned nights and weekends. I still remember taking my first, taking, you know, back when you had to sit in a classroom for your VCP and go through, like you have to be taught by a certified instructor before you're allowed to sit for the test. Um, this would be about, oh, let's call it 12 years ago. Right. Um, and and my instructor, you know, he would teach his class during the day. He'd teach, I don't know, 30, of these things, 30 or so of these things a year. And at night, he would also moonlight as a consultant and remote in and do like iSCSI uh, network setups for uh, for customers as well, right? They'd have somebody go in and do the racket stack, and then he would he would jump in and, and do all that. And it's like, man, talk about like literally, you know, using up nights and weekends to just to get the storage all plumbed up, right? Yeah, yeah that's that, the stuff I did on my own. That, that first one for me definitely fits under the category of Nutanix for your sanity. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I yeah, I, I I still say that. I mean, the first the first time that I went through my first Nutanix cluster update, it was for a customer who was pretty much same as it had been since it was put in. And I'm like, look, this is I understand this is how you used to do it. I understand what forced you into this, but let me just show you. <laughs> the difference in what this process looks like as opposed to what it used to be. And we just kind of went through the process to update and they got to see real time how long it takes, how much, um, how much less time that was, uh, what the process was, how much less of a process that was, and then just how easy it was to, to see it all the way through. Um, and I guess I should say the fact that they didn't have to sit there and babysit it all the way through. So um, it's it's a huge difference maker to be able to do it, to be able to have something where it's already built in to know that, you know, as I need to move these VMs, eh, we just move them and we reboot that host and it comes back up and, oh, he can take VMs again. Now we move to the next one. It's just... Ah, oh, so much more streamlined than it used to be um, with three-tier architecture and uh, so much less downtime uh, because you can get it all the way down to zero downtime for us. Yeah. So um, it, it's a huge difference and, and absolutely reclaim your nights and weekends. I, I could absolutely vouch for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a level of... Um reassurance and confidence in it too, versus, 
oh, what if this doesn't work? What am I going to do? I'm just going to disappear and they'll come in the morning and find it broken. Right. And, and the fact that you can do the pre-upgrade checks and take care of any issues that pop up before you actually do the upgrade, if there are any issues, that's another just easy way to make sure that you're not, you know, two o'clock in the morning, scratching your head, wondering whether or not the people who are coming in the next day are going to be okay or not. I helped support a, a major POC for a financial institution last year that we had talked up, you know, as we were educating them about Nutanix, uh, about our, you know, what we perceive as best in the industry, power recovery, right? Like loss of power, everything comes up uh, cleanly and uh, auto resumes. And uh, they built an RF3 uh, test cluster. They killed two of the nodes simultaneously. So then, uh, you know, cluster was recovering from loss of node, let's say node six and node seven, rebuilding data onto the first five nodes. And after they kicked off that data rebuild process by crashing two of the nodes, they then said, hey, let's go ahead and test that power recovery you talked about and crash the entire cluster, just yanked power out of the PDUs. And really, I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> and I, I clocked it because I, I, ca I ca captured the Zoom recording. And from like loss of power to like VMs up and running again was like 12 minutes. And the, and the data rebuild process just picked up where it left off. I was like... Perfect. Even I have not been that mean to a cluster in my own personal testing. Uh, <laughs> right. And that was, it was just fantastic to get to watch with them. Yeah. It's like a barn a friend's car and ragging it out or letting them <laughs> yeah. rag it out. Like, I'm not going to do that to my car, but this is fun. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but yeah. Some sort of a POC as a rental car analogy. <laughs> oh, rental car. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I use the, uh, the rag the car out. Cause every time I've had a sports car over the, past uh, 20 years since I've been married, my brother-in-law thinks it's his job to jump in and rag it out the first time. And it, yeah. Note to self, do not lend car to uh, Andy. Okay, good. No, not me. It's my brother-in-law. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's jump to the next one. It says uh, hyperconverged HCI, uh, hyperconverged infrastructure to be specific. Uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, well, I'm not a big fan of people using acronyms everywhere, especially in uh, situations where people may or may not know what they mean. Uh, continues to improve and evolve in capabilities uh, because it's software, right? It's on a fast track to check boxes that people need. Um, Jaira Harvey, help me understand. Give me great examples of this. Yeah. So like, as you, as you look at our architecture, what we do, what we offer as a technology platform, right? Um, everything we do is just in software, right? So therefore everything is updatable, which leads to what sounds like a very odd statement to make of like your worst day on Nutanix is your first day, right? Like, cause it, it'll only get better, only get more features, only run faster from there. Um, because it's not compared to like a legacy architecture where your best day is your first day and it can only get slower after as updates get applied from there, uh, or your needs will continue to increase and it can't give you any more than it could on day one. So as a hardware defined solution. Yep. Agreed. Um, you know, the, the other big piece behind that, and again, I've, I've talked before about, you know, consumer grade stuff versus enterprise grade stuff and how they parallel. Um, we've got plenty of people who run around with, you know, I've got got my iPhone that, you know, oh, yeah, I'm still running my, you know, iPhone 8 and it's still working and it still works great. Well, why is that? Because they can still upgrade the software behind it and the hardware can still support it. Same way for Nutanix. You Again, you, you've got the hardware that can support it. They're still putting new features in. They're still, you know, making things better, more efficient, and they can do that 
and do that with the hardware you already have. Um, so like Jira said, it's, it's just getting better with time. Yeah. And if the, uh, if the hardware you have isn't good enough, take that license and move it to a new hardware. Have you, have you guys exactly seen our latest right. uh, YouTube video focused on quote EUC? Fun, uh, no. Fun little tangent. I watched, I watched it last night. Our marketing team put out this video, a uh, fantastic video. Because when we say EUC, right, to the three of us, we know exactly what we mean, right? We, need, we mean end user computing, BDI, desktop as a service, something like that. Digital workspace, yeah. Yeah, server-based computing, one of those flavors. If you Google EUC on YouTube, you get like five pages of results about electric unicycles. And then after five pages, do you get into like what we would think of as VDI solutions? So we, uh, one of our team put out a video about logging into an EUC desktop while riding an EUC. So it was great. Go check that out. Yeah. Well, what's, uh, what's the best way to Google it? What, what would you search? Nutanix YouTube channel. Okay. Well, that's easy enough. Yeah. EUC <laughs> on an EUC. So, okay. So I know Harvey's a Tesla guy. Yep. I love about what Nutanix has done, iGel2, is they've decoupled the software from the hardware. Uh, Harvey, you think there's a day where Tesla takes their their cost, very, uh, I'll say expensive uh, software, decouples it from the hardware, and as you buy a new Tesla car, you get to take that software with you? Do you think they'll be that forward-thinking? Um, maybe even some type of subscription model? Or is, is the world going that way? That's a good question. Um, it's a good question. So. I'm I'm thinking of it, you know, as I think about this, um, you know, I've I've got uh, I I don't have a a 2022. I'll put it that way. Um, And so my hardware in my car, which I know sounds funny to a lot of people, but my hardware in my car does not support everything that the new hardware supports, um, because along the way they've changed parts and, you know, parts have gotten better, things like that. So um, I don't know that Tesla specifically will get to that point because as they continue to move forward from a software standpoint, they're still having to support a bunch of different hardware versions. And so. So Harvey, let me ask a question. What if somebody else in the electric car space does it, then will Tesla do it? Um, Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I'm getting at is because of what Nutanix has done in the hyperconverged space and disrupted it, um, it's now a space where software oriented, you can do what's best for customers moving forward. Yeah. Um, and that also benefits Nutanix and others because now it's a subscription based model, but it solves customer problems and you know vendor problems all at the same time by creating this reoccurring revenue model that continues to solve customer problems and evolves over time. I don't know that will ever happen in the electric car world, but it's happening in technology for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, as I continue to think about it, even as you were talking about that, it, it just made me think more and more that that would make sense, but only if the customer didn't also own the hardware, which went straight into, you know, managed services and, you know, things like that, hosted services um basically with car hardware (laughs) buy your software and that follows you and you just log into the car which is really better i bet you a dollar that the subscription aspect will definitely happen to your question andy right because there's already a half dozen manufacturers that will let you just subscribe to their cars for a flat fee per month and change out you know i want the suv i want the sedan i want the coupe uh on demand right so that part yeah yeah, for sure easy it's a subscription-based world right we're just getting there 
unevenly. Yeah. It, it just pains me to think that one day I won't own my, my car hardware. <laughs> I, I, there's benefits though, right? Like There are, but I still don't like it. <laughs> well, think about it, Harvey. I know the day is coming where you got to replace the batteries or get a new car. That's the day you're going to be, I wish I had known this thing. <laughs> that's, that's true, but that might take a long time. I mean, yeah. Or, you know, that weekend when you wish it was a truck, you know, and just, if, what if it just turned into a truck for a weekend? Yeah, you now, should see Harvey selling transformers. You should, you should see Harvey pulling that utility trailer around, around behind his Tesla. That's that's funny. <laughs> All right, let's move to the next one. Get it? Oh, look at this. Get a consumption based. <laughs> oh, wow. Very, very Almost like I read ahead, but I didn't actually. <laughs> I, I guess I'll just repeat. It's it's turning into a subscription based world for everything, right? So that includes. Includes Nutanix, includes, uh, you know, your business platform, your infrastructure. Um, uh, 100%, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that ability to define your preferred cost model, all right? And and then plan out your growth over time. And, and most importantly, like, I love, Harvey, your point about the iPhone. Like, and this is kind of an analogy occurring to me in real time. But what if Apple asked you to buy your next five iPhones up front, right? And you'll use this one this year and the next one next year and the next one the year after that. And it's like, well, no one will really go into that, right? I want to buy no. the new one when I want the new one. And that's what yet another benefit we bring to to your technology, right? Is that ability to say, buy what you need when you need it. Right. Well, for me, this is, you know, we're, we talked a little bit about the tech and what it solves and how it gets better, uh, how it solves your time challenges potentially or does. Uh, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. And a smarter way to do this that is also more cost effective or at least better for accounting principles for the company um, makes this makes this reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there are lots of conversations and lots of illustrations of how, you know, it used to be from a spending standpoint in IT, it used to be way up in year one and way down in two and three and then you know sometimes four but then right back up and you know now this evens out that spend makes things more predictable and just makes it so that you know what's going on you know what you see you know you know can expect reasonably expect the number to be pretty much the same um, until you start growing well i I do want to pick this one apart I want to pick this apart a little bit because it says get a consumption-based cost model, which you can, uh, but you don't have to, right? You can buy the software to run on the server hardware of your size. And unlike what we're having to do in the hyperscalers, where you're constantly checking every moment of every day, is it is it up? Is it using the right hard drive? Is it is it over-consuming? Like, for example, in your on-premises data center or Zintegra's data center, we have the ability to use Nutanix, but we can let it run all the time but still create that OPEX model. Right. Uh, it's actually the best of both worlds, depending on how you slice it. Right. Totally. Yeah. The, um, that, that is often a, a huge factor of um, public cloud cost modeling is like, just turn it off when you're not using it. But, you know, more often than not, you look at it, you're like, well, but some things need to be always on. Right. So turning it off isn't uh, uh, always the, the silver yeah. bullet. And, and not just that, but when I need it, on, I don't need to wait for it to come on. I need it on. <laughs> Harvey, are you saying that people's expectations get higher and they want things faster and sooner? That that's exactly what I'm Oof. saying. <laughs> what a challenge to to deliver. Yeah. 
Hey, Harvey, do you know anything about a uh, Citrix recognition during field kickoff today? Because I'm getting emails all of a sudden about uh, congratulations. I'll have to go check um, that out. I saw a picture on a slide. Okay. Um, but so far, that's all I know. I, I just know that we got recognized. I don't know everything about it yet. And uh, I have that for later today. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> out. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I, um, I went to bed last night mad because we didn't get any awards yesterday, but maybe we got some awards today. Uh, Not mad, so. just disappointed. Uh, <laughs> heard it here first. Been in meetings all day, haven't had a chance to check. That's great. All right. Um, realize financial flexibility. I guess maybe this goes back to what we were just talking about, CapEx versus OpEx, but John, yeah. is there more to say here? It, it blends in, right? It's They interweave. One is why we even you need it. And I think the other one, is, the second one here is more like pay for it the way you want to pay for it of... You know, do you prefer CapEx? Do you prefer OpEx? You know, some people, you know, don't want to get in that, like Harvey said, four or five year game of buy asset, sweat the asset. You know, no, I want to subscribe to both the hardware and software and just pay for it as I use it. And that's something we can absolutely support. Harvey, have we, uh, have we beat that one to death? We have. <laughs> Well, this uh, this fifth one, and this goes back to something I wanted to say a while ago. This the, and I maybe I did a little bit, but the idea that you can take what you're doing on premises, you can take what you're doing in your partner's data center like Zintegra's, you can take uh, all that and move it into a cloud real time uh, as you desire because you have this ubiquitous layer of the Nutanix platform in place, hyperconverged AOS AHV. That is power, and it's your choice at a moment's notice. That's probably what I find most attractive to this, especially when you talk to customers that have had DR and business continuity challenges forever. This really flattens that out and makes it easy. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's, that's interesting there with the DR uh, aspect for sure. We've, you know, I, I wouldn't want every customer to sleep on uh, like looming DR events if there's like a giant snowstorm, you know, hurricane off the coast coming in, but it's a real capability, right? You could literally go from no DR plan in the morning to, yeah, I've got 10 nodes up and running on demand, on subscription, my gold image is replicated, my VMs replicated, and I'm ready to fail over if we have an event, uh, same day, right? Or, you know, next day or whatever, like it's a, a remarkably powerful offering, right? Cl cloud offers resources that you can use however you see fit, Nutanix lets you add software to those resources and say, well, now I, my Nutanix can extend to anywhere and do anything I want it to do. Yes. Yep. This, this is another one for me that, that goes under Nutanix for your sanity. This, this gives you flexibility. This is huge in being able to, you know, do take what you know today in your data center, in your on-premises data center, in your you know, if it's hosted, it's hosted. That's fine. If it's, you know, got a, you're, you're using a colo, you take the knowledge that you have, the knowledge that you know, and then that translates into so many other places. I mean, if, if you are on premises and you move to a colo, then ta-da, look, you still use what you use. If you, you know, are using one of those and you decide we need to move to cloud for DR or, or just to expand what we already have, you still can use what you know. This is that's a big one for me. I mean, I, I like flexibility. I hate being pinned into a corner. Um, this makes it so that you can't be pinned into a corner. Yeah. I'll, I'll go back to number four real quick where it says your CFO will love you. If you do this one, 
uh, number five and have your choice and you've got DR and things now cost effectively covered, business continuity covered, the yes. entire company, CEO, everybody with a C in front of their name now should love you and, and realize they can sleep at night. They might've been sleeping at night anyway, um, but you, <laughs> you now know that you and they can sleep at night uh, right. because of this, this layered approach to the ubiquitous layer approach in what uh, this, the software defined world brings to you. It gives, it gives you freedom, right? With subscriptions come flexibility, right? And the ability to move on shift on demand, which drives every cost, every company to uh, up their game, right? Around if your customers can leave tomorrow, well, boy, you better be earning their business every single day, right? Right. Um, and so when you can tell your your boss, your manager, your CFO, yeah, look, I can shop five different options here, make sure that we are skating to where the puck's going to be cheapest. Well, that's going to be fantastic, right? And I, and I love the way you say it, Jared. Skating to where the puck's going to be, where it's going to be at the right price knowing it's going to move again. Right. Yeah. Whatever your input is, right. Sometimes it's lowest cost. Sometimes it's fastest delivery, right. I I need it fastest and prices as a secondary input, you know? So, yeah. All right. So number six on here, we're we're talking about software and intelligence. It just makes sense that artificial intelligence and machine learning can happen in that world. Help us understand why this one's on the list. Yeah. I think Harvey uh, touched on it uh, excellently right around um, the one thing that comes to mind is like updates, you know, like why, why spend two hours reading the prereqs and the order of operations for a given upgrade when our software comes out of the box, knowing that we know how to upgrade ourselves, right? You just tell us when, um, and, uh, and hit the go button. And then we, we automate the whole, the whole procedure for you. Um, and even then for like steady state, you know, we monitor your VMs we make sure that they are right sized. We want, if you're investing in Nutanix for your business platform, we want you to get the most out of your investment, right? So if you're, um, if some folks are overbuilding VMs and there's resources that can be reclaimed, man, we're going to make that a, a headline banner to say, let's get you building more efficient VMs uh, so you can fit more on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, as I sit and look at this, you know, I'm thinking of all the times that I was sitting and, you know, doing something in front of the, in front of the hypervisor uh uh, management screen or in front of the storage management screen and you know all, all the things that you do in front of those screens where you you click a button you you know roll your eyes and you wait or you go out there and you gotta you know do math to figure things out and you know try to figure out oh is this oversized is this undersized as Jaira was kind of talking about and this is just doing it for you um this is Taking out some of the you know, like, like they mentioned in the, in the blog here, mundane, tedious tasks, all the things that you sit and roll your eyes about that have to do with systems, not users. Um, <laughs> those those things have been you know taken away, and it's as actually looking at this for you. I, I kind of equate this to you have a, a a you that's sitting there evaluating those things that you normally have to do. Um, but it's doing it every day, all day, 24 hours a day. And there is there is no point where any human can be that plugged in to be able to look at that 24 hours a day and give you intelligence based on that. Yeah. You might even be able to automate some stuff out of that. Absolutely. <laughs> sounds like, that sounds like good automation. Absolutely. <laughs> For those of you that don't get the joke, that's uh, we had a conversation earlier, probably six months ago around automation and my love for it. I, I love automating if it's smart and based on good data, which is what we're talking about here. 
Absolutely. Uh, good automation is good and bad automation is bad per Andy Lightson. <laughs> well, and I think maybe that what we covered there as well as uh, the automation comments now goes into number seven, which is your infrastructure should be intelligent. Um, intelligent and you know the next step being automated or or smart as well and 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 make sense and make things better, I guess is really the message. Um, help us understand what Nutanix means by it should be intelligent. Yeah. I'm actually gonna, I love this. I'm gonna steal this. You know, infrastructure should be intelligent and work for you and not the other way around where you work for um you, you're the intelligent one working for your infrastructure, right? So I love that that picture, that flip. Um and I was explaining to somebody yesterday who was kind of new to Nutanix around the way that, um, you know, we had a customer who who needed to move nodes from one site to another. They simply went to, the, you know, a larger cluster that they uh, weren't using fully yet, ejected some nodes, put them on a truck, shipped them across and formed a new cluster as an away mission, right, to go solve a problem at a remote site. And... Um, you know, and all you have to do there is just tell those tell those nodes to eject themselves. Once they land, tell them to form a new cluster. Done, right? There's not that complicated, low level, you know, preparing of your infrastructure for that requirement, right? So I, I love that, right? It should be intelligent and work for you, and not the other way around. Agreed. Yes, you you are paying for it. It should be working for you. Um, this this again, just for your sanity. I mean, this this is. Just another illustration of how having intelligent infrastructure, being able to take care of things in front of you, frees your time up, frees your admin's time time up to go do you know more important things or more complicated things. I mean, running the infrastructure should not be the most complicated thing that they do. They they have to take the infrastructure. And make it work for the business. I mean, that's that's literally what they're there for, not to run the infrastructure the entire time. Right. And all that becomes reality when you think of software-based solutions and not hardware-oriented the way we did for so many years. Mm-hmm. All right. So to wrap it up, right, this is all about uh, digital transformation, whether it's on-premises, whether it's in a colo, whether it's in a partner data center, whether it's in a hyperscaler in the cloud, and how Nutanix says hyperconverge is a massive step in that direction versus the three-tier world of tying you to some type of SAN, three-tier, um, that was really probably very much software-oriented, but not to the degree that takes us into this digital transformation world at the rate we're going these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Jaira, take us home on this. What what's uh what's the the main thing that gets people over the three-tier architecture home into hyperconverge? In my experience, I, I'd say it's that realization of like, man, I can just get so much more done with my eight, nine hours a day. Um, you know, when this when so much of this stack can just take care of itself. Harvey, your thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I I hate saying it again, but it's it's for your sanity. <laughs> um, just being able to utilize this technology to take care of so many things that we used to have to take care of before. I mean, 
this this is what I would have wanted when I was the one responsible for doing all of the stuff that it now does for you. (laughs) That's that's the best way I can put it. Like I wanted this. Like, why didn't we have this? um, You know, like long, long time ago, not long, not too long ago. I'm not that old, but long enough ago (laughs) that I didn't have access to it. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I have days where I wish I wasn't doing what I'm doing and I could go be back in the data center business and running a data center and have these tools. <laughs> um, I mean, I was writing, you know, VB scripts or trying to PowerShell scripts at some point uh, to try to get some intelligence or try to get some automation, try to try to make this stuff smarter. These days, right. it just comes that way. Right. And, you know, justifying this to your boss, it's going to cost the same or less. That Man, that, that even made your life even easier. Yes, absolutely. Well, guys, I appreciate you uh, jumping on. It's uh, It's been a while. I'm glad to have another one of these in the books. I'll get it posted in the next uh, day or so. But uh, thank you. And uh, looking forward to a bunch of these in 2022. Thank you. All. Looking forward to it. Yes. Thank you. All right. With that, we'll wrap it up. See you guys. Yeah.